welcome to the Inspiring Heights podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Kaiser, and I am delighted that you are here with us today. Our mission here at Inspiring Heights is to inspire you, our friends, to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus and to live inspired in your day-to-day life. We talk about all things faith, rhythmic living, and homemaking. Listen, we know you have a zillion podcasts that you could listen to, and we are honored that you chose to sit here with us today. With that, let's get right to it. In today's episode, we're going to dig into the ins and outs of planning a party, hosting a gathering, throwing a shower, and the likes. I have found that there is this very similar emotional journey that has traveled each time that I sign up to host something that's outside of like just a normal friend's night. So first, it is like pure excitement. Generally, whatever the gathering represents is connected to something joyful, and I'm delighted to be a part of it. Second, I totally geek out on the theme. Totally. I'm so very much a theme person. From the invitations to the napkins, they should all, at the very least, like have a common thread to tie together if they're not like pretty much matchy-matchy. Then third, I underestimate how much time it will take to get everything prepped and ready. Uh, Fourth, I start prepping very much later than I probably should have, and I start to panic. Fifth, I forget something, a spoon, an ingredient, a game, something, inevitably. And then sixth, I set up in a bit of a hurry. Seven, I can take a deep breath and chuckle about the monster we'll call panic that I just left behind in the car on my way to the event. About a month ago, I got the pleasure of hosting one of my sweet friends, Baby Sprinkle. And while I was preparing, it occurred to me that I love planning events and gatherings. And, and I've learned a lot of hard lessons over the years. So in preparing for Easter and spring and in the not too distant future summer events, I thought it would be fun to just talk through some of the key components of hosting a party and give you some of the tips and tricks that I have learned over the years, sometimes the very hard way. (laughs) Here's the deal. I am in love with a good analogy. So we're going to talk about this today with the imagery of planning for a road trip. And there are five things I want to highlight. First, pulling out the atlas, then map questing, hitting directions and go, naming the navigator, and planning for construction. Step one, pulling out the atlas. Okay, I'm going to be super honest. It's been a minute since I have seen an atlas, but when I was growing up, it seems like in my memory that my dad always had one handy and would get it out so frequently. And it's so funny to think about that these days because when any version of a map that you could ever possibly want, you can literally pull up in like three seconds on your phone. Back in the old days when I was a kid, (laughs) we had dial-up internet. So maps were just so much more accessible on paper than they were on the computer. Anywho, I digress. The first step to planning a road trip is to see the big picture of the trip itself, right? And the same is true for planning a party. There's these pillars of decisions to be made, the date and time, the location, the theme, the food, and the guest list. Date and time and location are generally very linked. It's always good to understand the significance of the location prior to confirming the date and time. If the success of the event is hinging on the location, 
It's really helpful to choose multiple dates and times it could be feasible and then work with a venue to confirm availability. Let's talk about the theme, one of my all-time favorite things. Now, I know some of you are laughing and rolling your eyes at me, like, girl, you don't have to theme everything. Listen, hear me out. When we choose a theme, we are choosing once what we will look for, shop for, and create within a much more reasonable scope than, like, well, everything, right? Themes don't have to be incredibly narrow ideas. Vintage, boho, farmhouse, cows, spring, yellow, bright, artistic. The options are endless. But when we choose a theme, we're giving ourselves some good parameters for steps moving forward. A few little tricks that I've learned about theme stuff over the years. First, Etsy. It is an incredible place where not only do we get the opportunity to support small business, which I love, we also get a gigantic library of super creative people using their talents to make really unique stuff. Wedding showers, baby showers or sprinkles, gender reveals, birthday parties, all of the things you can buy sets of stuff for in a PDF or an SVG file on Etsy in nearly any theme that you can think of. They are customizable and printable, so you can print however many you need on whatever paper you wish. I promise this is like the best kept secret. It makes pulling the thread of commonality of a specific theme through the event from invitations to party favors an absolute breeze. Second trick, shop Hobby Lobby during the weeks when the supplies that you need are 50% off. It is so fun to look around Hobby Lobby. I could literally spend days and days and days there. They have some really cute options and honestly like quite a few to choose from. And I have found that that store can really be helpful for staying both on budget and on theme if it's shopped at the right time. Third trick, repurposing what you have around your house for the party. Things like gifts or card baskets, party favor holders, or serving platters are all things that you can shop your own house for. I am a sucker for keeping on theme as much as possible. But in case you need to hear this, like I sometimes too, It is okay if your serving platters are galvanized metal and not Tonka trucks. They won't even think it's not on theme. Okay, now that we have the pillars of the party, it's time to MapQuest it. When we MapQuest a destination, we are generally looking at two things, the route and the driving time. And this is a critical step to choosing the best path and ensuring that we arrive on time. The same is true for planning a gathering. Taking some time to plan the preparation will not only help us so that we're not panicky when the event arrives, but it will also help us to ensure that we have enough time and capacity before the event to get everything done the way that we want to. When it comes to planning, here's a few things to consider. First, start with a budget. I find that it is most helpful if the budget includes both finances and time. We can create extravagant things in the form of food, decorations, or games. It is really, really helpful to decide on the outset what our capacity is. Depending on how far away the event is, it can be really beneficial to consider what might be going on in your life during that specific season to try and better plan for the capacity that you will have. So, for example, my friend's baby sprinkle, it was during a peak season at my work. 
So I knew that my capacity was going to be lower than it would be if I wasn't in a peak season. So I knew that I had to choose something that wasn't maybe as creative or time intensive, specifically in the food area, as I might have chosen in a different season. Also, like anything, you can make some things cheaper than you can buy them, right? But in some seasons, the money to purchase the thing is a better investment than your time. These are all things that we get to decide on the onset of party planning. Knowing our time and financial budget will help to eliminate decision fatigue as we go along the party planning process. Second thing, plan out the prep. I like to start with a brain dump master list. We're all different, so how granular you get here is really going to be up to you. But for me, it's things like choosing and printing and stuffing the invitations, delivering and mailing them, buying groceries, prepping food, choosing and buying the decor, purchasing party favors, deciding on games, just to name a few things. So the next part of the process is determining how much time each of those things are going to take. Assigning time really helps us to plan and it helps us to stay within the limits that we have set for ourselves. 100% honesty, I could spend hours, <laughs> hours looking at Etsy invitations or Pinterest boho themed baby shower ideas. Sometimes limits can be our friend. One thing that I have found to be somewhat of a silver bullet for party planning is to work my plan backwards. Particularly when I am planning a party that is a month or two away, I need some bold reminders of how much time the week of the party I need to be setting aside to prepare. I learned this lesson the hard way too many times. I commit and then I forget to schedule that time. So that week of is like back to back to back activities while my preparing is just sitting there staring at me. This of course leads to some stress and chaos which on this front, if we're willing to put the work in ahead of time, we can totally avoid. The third step is choosing a navigator. You know, when you're on a road trip with people, there are some that are stellar at bringing road trip snacks and others that are really, really good at telling you which exit to take before you miss it. And <laughs> it's always good to choose that person like before you're sitting in rush hour traffic in a city that you don't visit all that often, right? In event planning, it can be really beneficial to choose a co-pilot, even if the event doesn't seem like it's going to be that big. When choosing a co-pilot, I have learned specific, clear, and standalone instructions are the key to us feeling like our co-pilot is really, really helping. So funny hard story lesson. When I first started my career as a social worker, I worked for a nonprofit and we had a huge banquet every year as a fundraiser. And this banquet turned into literally one of my favorite nights of the year. It was so fun. So my first year at the banquet, I was brand new to the organization. So I really just like did what I was told. I was young. I knew nothing. Second year, we had a staffing change. So set up for the banquet, the decorating and stuff was something that I got to be way, way more involved with. So we probably had like 25 tables that needed set up, plus all like the dessert tables. And there was tons of things that went on top of them, decor and pamphlets and pens and giving packets and chocolate and all the things. And I had a great crew, a great, great crew. 
I just wasn't good at giving directions. So I cast my vision to them, and then each of them asked me about 100 questions as the day went on regarding setup. And I remember I was so exhausted from the questions. I literally felt like we were not moving forward. Like I was like, I, I think I could just do this faster by myself. So fast forward to the next year, having learned that lesson the super hard way, I came to set up with a color-coded to-do list. Color-coded to-do list, yes. And I set up a table, like a mock table, exactly how I desired for all the tables to be set up. And then I assigned each person a color and gave them their list. I went over how I wanted the tables to look, and then the team broke up to do their tasks. And literally from that point on, that's how I approached set up for every single event because it worked so much better clear instructions and a vision, a clear vision helps people to execute in the co-pilot seat very well. I learned the hard way that people want to help and they want it to be just as you want it to be, right? They like honestly desire that. But if you don't give them super duper clear instructions, they will continuously have questions for you. And then honestly, at some point it becomes this feeling of like, I really think I should probably just do this myself. Taking time to cast clear vision on the front end will save us a ton of time and headache on the back end. Fifth step is to hit the go button on the GPS. You've planned your route, you've named your co-pilot, you've got some road trip snacks and some music, and now it's time to actually get started on the journey. Have you ever been on a road trip where it seemed like you turn 75 times to actually get where you're going? I remember traveling to see a client in the middle of nowhere once, and there was no like straight shot to this town. It was like turn left at the next stop sign or like on this road in the middle of nowhere, turn left. (laughs) And I honestly was not overly prepared uh, for that trip. So I didn't pack a phone charger and the town I was visiting was so small. It didn't have a gas station. So my phone was dead by the time I arrived. And I was like, I honestly don't know how I'm going to get home. This is really terrifying. Thank goodness for rental cars with built-in GPS. I would have not gotten home without that, or at least not in a very timely fashion. The same is true for party planning. Sometimes it can be really tempting to put the list that we put all the work into upside down on the desk in our office instead of in the kitchen where we're prepping the food. But that list that was so carefully thought out when our brains were fresh and we were looking at the entire picture, not just the thing that's right in front of us, that list needs to be where we can see it. Using and following that will help us to arrive at the party much less weary than if we're trying to fight to remember all of it off the top of our heads. Fifth and final step, plan for construction. In the Midwest, we joke that there are two seasons, uh, winter and construction season. And let's be honest, that's like mildly true. It is. Uh, If one is traveling in the summer across the state of South Dakota, it is unwise to not plan time in for construction. Even if you don't see it showing up on Google Maps, it is, it's happening inevitably. It just is. And if you've ever gotten stopped by a flagger to wait for a pilot car for 30 minutes, you understand the angst that can come when you forgot to factor that time in and now you're literally running 30 minutes late. 
When it comes to party planning, we should always, always plan for something to take longer than it does. Setting up is specifically where I like to add a good deal of buffer time. Worst case scenario of going too early to set up is that you're done early, so you either get to hang out with the friends who were there to help you set up, or go grab a coffee and take a breath before the event starts. Either way, that is such a better feeling than the one where you're like blowing up balloons while guests are walking in. We can be reasonable about our buffers that we build in. We like probably don't need to plan for chopping fruit and making yogurt for 20 people to take eight hours, right? But we might want to start building a little buffer into our day in case it does take more time than the 30 minutes we have slotted. I think like many things in life, the more events that we plan, the more we get familiar with the things that we generally try to underestimate the time that it will take. I think the more events that we plan, the more we become familiar with those really specific things that each of us individually generally tend to underestimate the time that it will take. Those are really good places to start when it comes to figuring out where to put those extra buffers of time in. Here's the short and straight of it all. Event planning can be oodles and oodles of fun. We get to use our creative brains, spend time with our friends, and celebrate exciting life events and seasons. The more thought through and planned ahead that an event can be, the more we'll be able to lean into the enjoyment of it all. All right, friends, I want to take just a second to tell you what's been inspiring me this week. So we are in the throes of uh, what public accountants call the busy season. And I've just been like noticing uh, in the last couple of weeks here as things have really amped up that I, there's like things sort of like slipping at home. <laughs> like I got some new containers from the store the other day that I was super pumped about and they're literally still in their packaging sitting near the sink uh, waiting to be washed. I have not gotten to that and I've been going to make a loaf of sourdough for two weeks and I haven't quite got there. And I was talking, was chatting with a girlfriend the other day and she used the word like, you know, yeah, this is what's going on in life. We're basically right now we're in survival mode. And I was just like, um, it caused me to pause and go, yes, sometimes it can be so helpful to name that season, that moment of time where you're like, yep, we're just in survival mode right now. Um, and I have to adjust my expectations to understand what survival mode is going to look like. And there's, I probably could talk for a really long time about survival mode and maybe I'll do a whole show about it someday. But um, obviously we don't want to live in survival mode forever, right? We want to be where our feet are and we want to be intentional. But I think sometimes in seasons like this, even uh, the thought of what does it look like to be where my feet are? So um, when we're putting in long days in the office, uh, being where my feet are means I'm present there, right? I'm not worried about the dishes next to the sink. I'm just worried about what is in front of me. And um, so I've just been inspired by that. It takes off some of the pressure of the things that you like wish you were doing, wish you were getting done. Um me. I wish I was doing it. I wish I was getting done uh, in this season, knowing that it's going to come to an end on April 18th and there'll be new seasons and new uh, busyness that ensue after that. But the one at hand is has an end. 
So anyway, I hope you take a second and consider what's been inspiring you this week. Friends, thank you so much for listening in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're so inclined, we would love for you to leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps potential new listeners to get a feel for the show before they even hit play. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Inspiring Heights. If you haven't already, you can sign up for our newsletter, Inspiration from the Moment, by visiting our website, inspiringheights.org, and hovering over the contact us link. If you have friends that aren't yet subscribers, please share the podcast with them if you think it's something that would be helpful and inspiring to them. Okay, friends, until next time, take a deep breath and be inspired where your feet are. Bye for now.